This is a Big MX podcast, brought to you by X Brand Goggles, presented by Tech One Designs, 204 Skate Shop, West Side Honda, Capital Motorsports, Golden Tire, and Trans Canada Motorsports out of Brandon, Manitoba. Motocross news from around the world. We're not experts, but we've got microphones. Check us out on the web at BigMXRadio.com. Welcome to the Big MX Podcast Show, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles, 204 Skate Shop, Tech One Designs, Capital Motorsports, Westside Honda, Roy, Roy Borton Suspension Systems, Bulletproof Welding, Golden Tire, 38 Rod Shop, and Millennium... Wait, those guys don't pay their bills. I am your host, as usual, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, a couple of brothers all the way from Apple Valley, California. I believe they're down in Florida right now. Uh, the Alessis, how's it going, boys? Doing pretty good, man. How you doing? Not too bad. It's a beautiful Tuesday uh, afternoon here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, the, the the temperatures are nice, and uh, looking forward to going riding tomorrow. Sounds good, man. Perfect. Uh, and uh, and Jeffrey, you're on the line as well. Yeah, I'm here. Perfect, man. Uh, look, really looking forward to uh, speaking with you in just a few minutes. Got some questions for Mike first, and uh, then we'll be uh, we'll be off to your your portion of it. Uh, but uh, so hopefully you can uh, hang on the line, and uh, I'm sure you 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 love listening to your your brother uh, talk moto, right? Yeah, that's why I got the other phone. I wanted to see uh, see what you guys are talking about and kind of listen in on everything too. Perfect, perfect. So. Uh, Mike, you are five rounds into your first uh, series up in here in Canada. We've just leaving Gopher Dunes, where uh, you now trail 28 points behind with five rounds to go. Um, you've got 178 to uh, Colton's one or 206. Um, tell us a little bit about your weekend. Well, I thought the weekend went, uh, I mean, obviously for the first moto, it was going really well. I was riding uh, probably the best I've ever ridden in sand, especially that kind of sand, not being that deep. And I was on par. I felt like it was going to be a great day, and I was set for a 1-1, and uh, just it wasn't in the cards, you know. And that's part of racing. You know, things happen, and, uh, you know, with the ups and downs of, of riding a motorcycle, it's part of the sport. So, you know, we'll just move past it and uh, get ready for Sandalee this weekend, and uh, that's all I can really focus on right now. Perfect. No, yeah. From all the pictures and video that I've seen, looks like you were uh, hauling the mail big time. And you guys go good in the sand, both of you do. Uh, what have you been doing to prepare, and, and what kind of tracks have you been at? I believe you were at the, the dirt farm today. Yeah, we did a little riding today at dirt farm, uh, just preparing for the weekend, and it was good because I went up to Canada about two weeks ago, and I did a ten day trip up through Canada. I rode at the Gopher Sandalie. Um, didn't ride Overton, but I got to check that track out. Um, Deschambeau and Walton. So I had a good little trip that I did for 10 days up in Canada, and I definitely Excellent. enjoyed myself and getting the preparation that I needed for the uh, the last five races, the last six races of the season. Yes, and that's actually one of the things I wanted to talk about. There's a, It was a, a wide break, three-week break that you had to fill some time with, and it's nice to hear that you... Uh, um, Spent some time in the Great White North. Obviously, it's not as white as it is uh, in the winter time. But uh, you came up here and experienced some of the tracks. What was your favorite part about uh, spending some time up here in Canada? Well, the best part is that I got to ride all the tracks and I got to meet a lot of new people and a lot of fans and different kids of the tracks that wanted autographs. And it was cool to mingle and talk with the kids because they, you know, kids they got lots of questions. And you know, I'm I'm all about answering questions and try to talk to the kids and give them the best advice that I have and to be a professional athlete. So 
you know, I, I think that was the best part of the whole trip was just being able to mingle and talk with the kids and all the upcoming riders. Right on. So having already ridden a couple of these sand tracks, uh, coming into Gopher, were you aware that the uh, the gas situation might be coming pretty close by uh, the lap's ends? No, we did not, no. Like, so, like, um, that was a complete surprise to you. At what point did you start to realize that the bike was uh, probably low, uh, running, running low on uh, fumes? Uh, the corner before it actually turned off, uh, the bike was just sputtering, and... Uh, it was giving out like there was there was no power and uh and I was kinda like chuggling like good 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 and that's when I knew I was like Yeah. Uh, I think we're out of gas. Yeah, that unmistakable sound of a bike struggling for uh to get some fuel. Uh obviously heartbreaking for you. You uh were challenging for the lead uh in that moto and uh the next moto you guys devised a plan to uh give it a splash of gas uh once you had uh a comfortable position in the race. Uh what was the strategy behind getting uh that extra fuel into the bike? Well, the strategy was to stop at 20 minutes to get gas and once I had realized I had a decent lead on Colt, I was like, I think I need to go at least maybe one more lap, maybe even two, mm-hmm. and I stopped at about 24 minutes, and when I stopped, I had a roughly 15-second lead, and uh, we we did the gas stop as fast as we could, and I got back on the track right in front of Colt, I mean, like, right in front of him, so my lead went from 15 to zero, and uh, I had to basically work my butt off from there to the finish, and I still was able to put out, you know, about 8 to 10 second lead and win by. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of strategy and knowing that I had to get the whole shot and I had to ride, as, you know, as fast as I could for as long as I could to pull out that lead so I was comfortable when the gas stop happened that I had some time to uh, to give away that I could get back on the track and hopefully be in contention to still race uh, Colt or whoever was in second at the time from there to the finish. So it was a good good strategy and we made it work and uh it's just a bummer that the first motor had to go how it went but uh like i said as part of racing and we'll move forward well you did end up scoring some points in that first moto uh scoring number eight, uh, 18th on the day uh so uh double motor scores figured you uh out with um you're now 28 points behind uh with only five rounds to go uh you basically have to uh get about three points per per moto so um uh like how do you plan on chipping away at that lead well, I'll work, you know, each race as its own individual race and each moto as its own individual moto. And I won't even worry about the championship as far as right now and just try to work on just winning motos and winning races, and that's all I can do. Definitely. So how did you feel, uh, like, not only Sandalee, but now when you've done some practicing, at, or, yeah, at Gopher, but also you've ridden Sandalee and uh, Deschambeau, um, how did you feel on those tracks? Is that something that's going to be comfortable for you? Oh, for sure. I feel comfortable. I'm excited and ready to go. And I got my preparation done with the bike and the settings. So, uh, I mean, there should be no excuse to just go there and uh, just try to rip both hole shots and just win the race. That's all I can control is my own destiny and from here to the finish. Well, you're a damn good starter, my friend. And uh, those do do come in handy on those races where you have to rip through the, through the pack. Oh, yeah. Um, as far as uh, preparations go towards uh, the other sand tracks coming up, uh, are you pl- planning on using any types of larger tanks or uh, implementing a very similar um, situate like a very similar strategy in terms of getting some more fuel in the bike if necessary? Well, the tanks that we're using right now are the same tanks they use in the GPs, so they're straight from Italy. 
So there should be no question on what why the bike didn't make it to the finish. So we're going to continue with the same tank, and uh, there shouldn't be no problem. It's just that gopher sand, I believe, was just so sandy and so deep that it was robbing the bike of, of the power, so I had to work extra hard and sucking more gas. And uh, ultimately just it ran out, and that's, uh, you know, unfortunate. The team also is is trying to find a solution for a little bit better fuel mileage, too, I believe. Okay, so that may or may not come down to uh, a fuel mapping scenario. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Jeff, have you have you been doing a, a fair bit of uh, testing on the bike as well as uh, Mike's contribution? Well, before the, the season started, I, I did a little bit of testing with the team to help out the riders. Right. and um, I've done a lot of testing in the past to help my brother out. So, I mean, I know his setup. Um, I know that he uses a lot more. Uh, he's really aggressive on the throttle. Um, no kidding. I really think that that probably contributed a lot to him running out of fuel at the end of the race and not really necessarily being that they didn't, you know, have a checklist and they didn't check all the, the stuff off. I think that I think Mike just really was, you know, trying to prove a point at that race that, you know, he was he was on, you know, someone else's home turf and and you know, no matter what competitor it is, you know, they're competing and and he wanted to he wanted to beat Colton and everyone else at that that race and and really prove a point and I think he put a lot into the into that moto, and and I think he was using a lot more a um, lot more of of the fuel than uh, than he was expecting to use. For sure, Mike. Is that one of those? Is uh, was that a conscious uh, thing on your part to uh, uh, really dig deep, or is, going forward, do you think you'll mellow out your uh, um, your fuel, your throttle inputs to uh, be a little bit more fuel conscious? Probably not. You know, I'm gonna ride exactly how I've been riding because I know it's yeah. I'm riding good, and it should be no reason why the bike doesn't finish. That's uh, it's not on the rider. I'm just riding it as fast as I can, and that's all I can do. And that's uh, that's my job is to try to ride as hard as I can and win the race. And that's everything else is out of out of my control. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Con- uh, worry about the things that you can control, and uh, you you control uh, what gear the bike's in, where the throttle's at, and the the brakes on the machine. Otherwise. Uh, it's 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 all left to chance. You're halfway through your first season here in the CMRC. Uh, we, obviously, the Canadian fans have loved having you. I think that you've been well received uh, as a whole. Um, so, what has been your favorite part about racing up here in the Great White North? I'd say that my favorite part is obviously the weather. Being able to race in 75, 80 degree weather that's that's a dream come true to race something like that in the summertime. We're down here in Florida where I live. Um, it's extremely hot. Like today was about 100, 105 degrees, and it's just it's awful, you know, it's humid, it's hot, it's muggy. Where you go up there, it's just beautiful weather, great people, and you just can't ask for anything more. Beautiful. So what has one of the, been the things that has been a surprise to you uh, as you've uh, taken the stage here and up in Canada? Uh, I'd say the biggest surprise is just, uh, you know, learning the tracks. They're they're a lot different and uh, as far as bike settings and learning the, the direction of the track and the way the track is going to form the ruts the bumps so it, for me it's uh it's it's different and difficult because i'm learning a whole new surface where these other riders have ridden these tracks for years and they they know what to expect so i'm learning everything as i go 
Excellent. So uh, obviously for the rest of the races, you've really got to put your head down, make up some ground, and basically, like you said, uh, let the chips fall as they may and just try and win motos. Um, as far as like, uh, Colton, uh, born on the West Coast, now has been an East Coast guy since, uh, ooh, I think he moved there in 2006. Do you think a few of those tracks uh, that you're about to uh, take on uh, fall into some of the strengths of his riding style and his ability? Oh, I'm sure. You know, he's a great rider. He's a tough competitor, and you know he's uh, he's a great rider. You know all the all the factors of him living in the East Coast it plays right into his hand. So, you know, it just makes my my job just a little bit tougher. Um, I'm up for the challenge, though. Absolute. Pretty much a brand new national for you every weekend out. Although you have uh, done a little bit of laps at a few of those tracks, probably not prepared to uh, the the national standard. But nevertheless, good to put some laps out there. The, the rest of the Nationals are on Sundays, which is a bit of a throwback to what you're used to, uh, always racing on a Saturday, Sunday, or a Saturday rather. Um, you've, you've mentioned in the past that uh, flip-flopping back and forth isn't really your favorite thing, but uh, how does racing on a Sunday affect your schedule, and going forward, them all being on Sundays, does that allow you to fall into a better schedule going forward? Yeah, for me, I really it doesn't really matter for me if it's Saturday or Sunday, I just go to the race and try to bring what I've done during the week and my training and my riding and my preparation for the weekend. And uh, whether it's race on Saturday or Sunday, it, it doesn't really matter to me. I just want to come to the race and be prepared and come to do my job. So we're uh, the, the one of the biggest reasons why we wanted to have this conversation tonight is because uh, there's a return of the 801 machine. And so I wanted to ask you, what has it been like uh, having uh, little brother back in the fray and uh, back uh, in your training program? Well, for one, it's been nice because, you know, I don't really have anybody to ride with here in Florida. It's just myself. So having somebody to ride with has been good, someone to push me, someone to chase. Um, and I, I, I'm pushing him hard because he needs it, you know. It's the uh, only way to test the body and get it fit is to to push it. So, you know, in the sense that we're getting him ready for uh, DeChambeau in a couple of weeks. So. He's riding good. He's starting to get fitter and fitter, and uh, he's uh, starting to lose that winter coat. Fair enough. No, I noticed that the two of you, and like, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but you're both pretty built guys. Uh, neither one of you are very uh, like have a, a slaw, slight uh, jockey style build. Um, is that a conscious decision on uh, the, the your program's part to uh, to build a body that is more or less built to take a bit of punishment? Well, obviously, you know, you want to have a strong body that can physically go the whole 35 minutes, but you also have to have a body that's strong enough to take a hit on a crash because, as we all know, motocross is dangerous and crashing is, is part of the sport, and at any turn or any jump, you can crash, and you've got to be durable to take a hit. So, yeah, I believe, you know, when we were younger, we were building the body to get stronger so we could take a hit and also be lean enough and strong enough to be able to go race for 35 minutes. Well, the two of you look like mean, lean, mean fighting machines. So, does uh, having Jeff um, back in your uh, training prep program uh, kind of take you back to uh, some of the more earlier years in your career, and even to uh, back in your amateur days when you were extremely dominant? Uh, does that help your uh, mental preparation now that you're back in some familiar territory? Um, yes and no. Um, I just, you know, I just go along with my training, and my riding, and I just focus on myself. But at the same time, like I said, I have someone to push me and someone to chase on the track. So, yeah, it's kind of cool in a sense and, you know, kind of remind me of the amateur days. But, you know, I don't even want to think about amateur days right now. I just want to focus on just racing every every race in the weekend and, and trying to do my job and win the race and try to steal those points back from Colt. 
because that's the only way that I'm going to be able to get those points back and get closer to him is uh, you know trying to win every weekend or try to win every moto. So on paper, it's logical. I have to win every single moto from here to the finish and uh, and not have a problem. So uh, that's that's I have my back's definitely against the wall. So um, you know I just got to do the best that I can and just put one foot forward every weekend and uh, do the best that I can and try to win. In my in my opinion. Whenever I've seen my brother, you know, put in a situation like this, he's uh, very much a clutch performer. So I have a lot of confidence that he'll uh, he'll put himself in a really really good spot every weekend. Chime in Excellent. Up. Absolutely. I totally agree. You know, uh, Mike is one of those uh, clutch performers that does uh, thrive in that pressure situation that does uh, now definitely uh, he's faced with for the remaining five rounds of Canadian Nationals. Mike, we wish you the best of luck going forward. It's time to get the uh, 801 machine on the uh, on the horn. But uh, before we do that, can you throw it to commercial for us? Hey, this is Michael S. You listen to the Big MX Show. So, do you like stuff? Or possibly things? How about a huge selection of motocross and street bike gear from apparel brands like Troy Designs, Alias, Icon, and Power Bands, every single color you can think of? How about 25 years of custom suspension and motor service for a full service shop, all of which you can find at Capital Motorsports? Mention this Big MX podcast to receive a VP gas can with Spout for only $40, as well as 100% off your next set of motocross tires. Just kidding, we can't back that up, but ask for about it anyway. Check out Capital Motorsports at 157 St. Anne's Road, Winnipeg, Manitoba, or call them, not so toll-free, at 204-237-6686. Make your way down to Westside Honda Polaris and check out the brand new Honda Grom. Honda's revolutionary 125cc fuel-injected mini-moto ultimate weapon. A must-see for all motocross enthusiasts. From the Grom to the usual suspects like the CBR600RR, CRF450R, Westside Honda Polaris of Suffolk, Manitoba has you covered. Check them out on the web at westsidehonda.ca. Call toll-free at one 888 4827782 Listen up Big MX listeners. Does your bike sound like this? Would you rather it sound like this? I thought so. Sounds like it's time for you to give Lee Stewart at 38 Ride Shop a call. From everything from parts installation full service, suspension work, as well as full-blown bike builds. Lee Stewart does it all. Visit www.theword30, the number 8, rideshop.com or call 204-510-7433. That's 510-RIDE. Anytime, day or night, give Lee a call. He has the tools and the know-how to take your bike to the very next level. The only shop located in northeastern Winnipeg, otherwise known as Transcona. 38 Rod Shop. Get it in ya.
Perfect. I can step that little part out. Sound like it uh, never even happened. Now, Jeffrey. <laughs> What's up? How's it going, brother? Pretty good. How about yourself? Not bad, not bad, man. Uh, done. Business clothes are off for the evening, and uh, yeah, just looking forward to tuning up my twin Kawasaki two-strokes in the garage directly after this conversation, and heading out to uh, one of my favorite tracks tomorrow evening, and I have the pleasure of two uh, motocross legends on uh, my telephone right now, so things are going pretty good. Nice. Uh, well, I hope you have fun. Be safe. Uh- Absolute. It's my one of my favorite tracks. In fact, uh, the the great Sean Hamblin once uh, wrapped up a uh, Canadian one twenty five championship back there in two thousand. Nice. I know Sean. He uh, good guy. I know. I know up there it's um, it's different than America. So it's uh, I'm looking forward to it coming up there for sure. Uh, interesting story. Uh, Sean actually won that championship riding for the Blackfoot Honda uh, team, and uh, they didn't renew his or they didn't honor his contract for the East West Shootout, so he rode a Cowie. <laughs> he came up and rode for a different team with the number one on his bike for the East West Shootout. It was weird. Well, if you uh, if that's the bike that you're given, you know you got to ride what you can you know put underneath you. Perfect. So uh, let's get this going. Um, Welcome back. We've got Jeff Alessi on the uh, the horn here. Also, Mike, you're still on the on the horn with us. No, he's actually eating dinner. <laughs> Perfect. That's fine. Uh, it's uh, it's nice to uh, have be able to talk to uh, to you, Jeff. Uh, first of all, welcome back. Uh, it's it's been a long time coming. I believe the last time you lined up for a professional moto would have been back in 2012. Yeah, it was uh, Elsinore 2012, and I actually also did Monster Cup 2012, and Okay. One of the only privateers that made it to the uh, main event, so looking to looking to continue that uh, that that success I had last time I lined up and and moving into this next you know professional race that I'm doing. Absolutely, you know what? I, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was the fact that you have in the past held down a spot with the factory KTM uh, team way back when you uh, turned pro in 2005, almost nine years ago already. Um, but you also, I think some of the best performances you ever put in, both uh, Supercross and Motocross, was when you were uh, riding with a privateer effort, riding Hondas back in 2008. Correct, yeah. Um, 2008 was when I rode for um, Moto X in the outdoors when I got uh, eighth in points. Um, That's right. And the last moto, I uh, dislocated my shoulder, so I, uh, I missed out on a couple positions on the overall because of that. Um, yeah wasn't my fault but hey you know um yeah steel city 22nd overall but uh yeah having had uh some shoulder surgery myself and many dislocations i can sympathize yeah and then uh moto concepts also um in 2009 i had seventh place in supercross so i was very excited about uh you know coming back and being a part of the team you know i i feel like i i was you know the beginning of that team uh, when Mike Mike Genova came up to me at Millville uh, in 2008 and asked me to be part of part of a team he was thinking about putting together and and that's kind of like where that whole thing started so I feel like I'm I'm home you know so I'm excited and I really want to you know put put it all on the line and show these guys that uh, that there is a Jeff Leslie that can come back and be focused and and actually you know do good so that's uh, I'm excited for it. 
That's actually an interesting story, and I totally agree. But and uh, that uh, Millville um, back in two thousand eight was actually kind of a disappointing, uh, or started may have started out as a disappointing day for you because uh, that uh, particular race uh, before that actually you were looking to possibly get uh, a ride with the uh, the factory Honda as you were uh, kind of doing some doing battle with uh, I believe it was Jimmy Albertson back then. Yeah, it was a little bittersweet. You know, I I really had a really good thing going on at Moto Triple X, and then. Uh, I believe it was Millsaps that got hurt at Redbud, and right. his bike became available. So uh, immediately they came to me and said, you know, we're going to give you this ride. It's all about, you know, us wanting to give you that chance on that motorcycle. And and it was all good, all the way up until Unadilla. I um, I opened up my mouth a little early, you know, and, and, yeah. and, Scored um, and somehow uh, it got word to uh, Albertson, and he got that ride. He um, He actually you know, commandeered that ship immediately that weekend and, and signed the papers that were meant for me. <laughs> I was a little bummed about it, but hey, it kept it kept me on that uh, that bike I was riding, and it took me to eighth, eighth overall in points, and the factory Honda took Jimmy Albertson to a broken wrist, I believe, um, before yes. he even got to race the bike. So had that been me, um, I probably would have been pretty upset, so... That you you wouldn't have gotten eighth in points, and I don't think he got that either. So, um, all all smiles for Jeff Alessi at that point. Yeah, all smiles for me, and uh, and also didn't didn't hurt anybody at my team that was uh, putting in a lot of effort for me. You know, it was good. I think that uh, if I ever was put in that situation again, I would stick with what I know, the program I know, and and not uh, look anywhere else because it helped me, and it, and it and it led to a really successful season for me. Excellent. No, that's uh, it's uh, that's a character piece right there. Having uh, stuck to your guns and uh, and going forward with what you know is tried, tested, and true. Exactly. So you are five days, my friend, away from your first uh, your your return to uh, professional motocross. I believe How do you it's feel? a week a week and five days. Um, oh, right. Of course. I do. I don't want to uh, not have that extra week, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy. You know, I. Um, I kind of heard about this whole little deal, you know, a little little late. I felt like uh, there's a little bit more preparation. I wish I could have got in, but you know, I'm really healthy right now. I got my um, I got my mind in the right place, and so I think that that's you know half the battle, maybe if not seventy percent. So um, today uh, I went out and did my motos, and believe me, last last uh, the last three days of riding has gone from. Uh, feeling like I'm 20% ready to 50% ready to 70% ready and I feel like with the the week and five days I have left I think it can take me to 90% ready before I get ready to race here um I'm already 25 minutes strong on the bike uh last last week I was doing 20 minutes strong the first moto second moto I would you know get a little tired and then uh this week I'm uh doing 25 minutes both motos strong and and honestly today looking at the times I was actually faster towards the end of my practice and that might have been because I was trying to hold off my brother the last extra three laps because he gave me a he gave me 30 seconds um and I told him I wanted to I wanted to at least stay in front of him for 20 minutes and you know he uh he caught up to me with you know a lap and a half to go and I couldn't you know complain about that I feel like um I just feel like I could be really good by the, by the end of the season, um, especially if I'm progressing the the amount that I am. 
Absolutely. No, it, it sounds like you're, uh, you're hauling the mail down there. And, uh, so h- how does your brother, uh, push you at the, at the practice track? Like, uh, is it, uh, some good natured ribbing or is you just get on your butt for, uh, yeah, that last lap and a half or just, uh, cause you, I'm sure you guys can mark each other while you're out on the track as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, over the years you, uh, it don't matter if you're riding against your brother or you're at a local track. Hey, I'm on the phone. Sorry. Um, no I think it's, you know, one of those things from a young age would be at a local track and basically, you know, if it's the guy that, you know, you race with on the weekends, you see him out there on the track, you just gauge him. And that's how it went today. You know, I, uh, every lap I felt like I, uh, I knew where my brother was going to be, and if I could keep him 20 feet, you know, before that, I felt like I had made an improvement that lap. And, and today I honestly felt like that, that gap every lap that he was making up on me was uh, was shrinking. And not shrinking as in he was coming, getting closer to me, obviously he was, but uh, that, you know, two seconds a lap faster went to one second a lap faster to, you know, Right, he he wasn't catching you at as much of a rate of speed as uh, exactly. as, as he was earlier, and that 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 builds confidence in me. Um, I know that this whole sport is is based on fitness um, and focus, so I I feel like as long as I have those two things right, I uh, I can definitely go out there and do damage. Absolute. Now, before we get too far into this, it is time for the uh, 38 Ride Shop Pick Your Poison questions. Jeff, these are basically just uh, uh, you pick one or the other, rapid succession, no really expl- explanation uh, to your answer to these questions. Just something to, to loosen the screws a little bit and uh, get us both nice and comfortable in conversation. You up, you up for that? Yeah, I'm up for it. Absolutely. These are brought to you by 38 Ride Shop for all of your moto needs, uh, whether it be full bike builds or wheel, wheel, wheel building. Head on over to 38 Ride Shop. Talk to Lee Stewart. The first item on the list or the first question on the list, In-N-Out Burger or Chipotle? Chipotle. All day. Hard pack or sand? Ah, uh, sand. I love sand. And you go good in the sand, by the way. Uh, there's a sand track uh, down uh, down in the states. There, you do pretty well, time after time after time. Yeah, I love sand. Like I said, I um, I just have a lot more fun in it. Uh, hard pack is, you know, difficult, you know, because you're sliding around, and sand mm-hmm. is is sick. You know, you shred. Beautiful. Now, uh, play ride or bust motos. Um, you know, back in the day, I probably would have said uh, motos straight, but. You know, I've learned to have a little bit of fun on the bike here in the last few years, not, you know, putting in the motos like I, I was used to. Quick question. What's your best trick? Best trick? Yeah. Uh, the best trick is an underflip. Really? Cool. I love uh, it. California or Florida? Florida. Uh, I do like California's big lakes, though, because I'm a bass mm-hmm. fisherman. Yeah. Uh, weight room or cardio? Weight room. But... Cardio is where you get the dough. Absolutely. Yeah, everyone likes to, to build the body. Not everyone likes to uh, work on the cardio. Foot long or six inch at Subway? Foot long. I, um, I have to eat foot long because it is not enough for me to have six inches. Me, me that, that didn't uh, sound right, but. <laughs> More or less why that question's on there. Uh, <laughs> blue jeans or board shorts? Uh, whew. Blue jeans, but not really blue jeans. Well, faded blue jeans probably rip on the knee or something like that, right? Nah, not the rip, but uh, you know, something something a little darker. 
Yeah. I'm, I feel you. Blondes or brunettes? Brunette. Um, you know, whatever my girlfriend has in mind for the month. Fair enough. Yeah, you basically that that uh, that changes with the tides, so you basically have to stay on your toes on that one. Yeah, I think I like the hockey or football. Part. Say that again. Hockey or football? Oh, uh, you know, I'm more of a hockey fan. Uh, I tried to get into football, but I don't know. I just think it's a little pointless. Well, as a Canadian, I am uh, I am I'm happy to hear that you're into hockey. Yeah. Go Ducks. I like the slams. There you go. Uh, watch World Cup soccer or take a nap? Uh, take a nap. Two-stroke or four-stroke? Sorry? Um, two-stroke, four-stroke, four-stroke all day because it, it's, uh, it's faster and it's easier to go faster on. Fair enough. Coke or Pepsi? Uh, well, I guess Coke. Mixes with Jaeger pretty good. That it does. Uh, Ricky Carmichael or Jeremy McGrath? Uh, MC. Absolutely, well, that's the, I have his We all, look, all looked up to him growing up, yes, no? Uh, I did. I definitely did. My brother also did, too. Fair enough. And the last question, country music or rap beats? Country. All day. Country. What's, what's your favorite country song right now? Right now? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I like more of the old country, the, you know, you know, the real country. I don't really like this whole hip-hop country. But um, Alan Jackson is my favorite country singer and probably one of my top three favorite singers. There you go. Have you seen him live? No, I have not. you got to get on that, my friend. Yeah, when I get some time. Right on. So let's get back into this thing here. Uh, where did this all come about? Like, uh, you're going to be turning, you're, you go back to your pro career in uh, in 10 days' time, roughly. Um to uh, to come back at I believe it's Deschambeau in uh, on July twenty seventh. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, so where did all this where where did this idea come from or and uh, how long has this been in the works? Well, I was just gonna say how long you want me to make this story. <laughs> Go for it, man. This is your time. Well, um, I'd have to say two thousand thirteen when I got um, you know put on my little break there. I I definitely yeah. didn't know what I was gonna do so. I basically, you know, I was moved up to uh, Central California, and you know, I was I was really pondering on getting a job. I was just, you know, kicking back on a on a big almond farm, and you know, I was enjoying my time. And and after a few months, I was just like, wow, you know, I really don't don't dig this. So um, I was definitely being steered in the direction to go get a job, and. I wasn't ready to get a job, so I said to myself, "What am I? What do I got to do to make this? You know, make prove to myself and everyone around me that you know, I gotta, I gotta be back racing." And this was back in October of last year. So I was gonna say, I, I moved to Texas, got out of California, got away from the chick that I was with that was you know dragging me down, and basically moved onto a farm and just you know. I didn't do a whole lot of training right away, and I didn't do, you know, a whole lot of racing and riding because I didn't have the program or the, you know, funds to really go at it at 100%. But um, totally. nonetheless, I had a bike that was completely fresh when I got back from Washougal, and I didn't know what to do with it, you know. I just uh, I had a fresh, brand-new bike, pretty much, you know, rebuilt and everything. And I said, you know, if this is what I got, and I still got – boxes and boxes of gear at my California house that I can have my dad send me. It might be, you know, from Alpine Star from 2010 and 2011. I'm going to 
I'm gonna take them. Good I'm looking use, stuff. I'm gonna use. Yeah, I'm gonna use my tools. I'm gonna use them while they're still, you know, usable. So, I moved to Texas, and I, uh, I did a, a few races. You know, I I wanted to get ready for, um, you know, Canada, and that was my main goal was to get ready for Canada. But uh, I didn't have the money to do it. Um, and I told my dad, you know, I was just like, dude, I'm like, I really don't know what I'm doing, and I want to race. And of course, this was in uh, about May. That mm-hmm. uh, well, between January and May, that I really had worked my dad, you know, into listening that I really needed to start riding. Well, mid-April, he sent me out to out to Florida here, and I did some testing to help my brother with his bike, and you know, just come out here and ride and and show that I still know how to ride a dirt bike really well. And obviously, um, I didn't. I uh, wasn't that I you know lost any of my my talents or anything i just uh i needed some work and so i told my dad let's um you know let's at least get me out here to florida and i can start riding and start training and you know maybe eventually i can you know do some races and uh he didn't he didn't seem like he was into the idea of me racing but he said you know come out here and we'll uh we'll help you with your bike and we'll keep you on the track you know just getting getting ready so I was happy with that. I said, you know, I'll make a little bit of money weekly doing uh, some schools, and I can do some races on the weekend, um, you know, keeping myself ready. And the idea was to get ready for Monster Cup and then for Supercross and get ready at a really good, you know, be really in shape, be really ready, and, and don't waste our time. So I said, all right, I'm, I'm up for that. So... Uh, I started getting ready and started riding and started training. And a couple weeks went by and I started riding and training with my brother. And and uh, in the in in his mind, he didn't tell me in his in his little world that he had going on. He had an offer for me to you know come up to uh, to Canada and and help me get up there and, and do some races. And Deschambeau, owner of the track. So you know he uh, the the guy my dad got a hold of. Uh, I think his what's his name, Dad. The owner of Tiba, Dan Daniel Tiba. I know that name. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just on the spot here, but my dad told me about the offer, and and I I said, you know, I'm not going to be you know 100 ready, but I'm going to definitely do my best to be 100 ready and and not sabotage my program and, and and put myself doing nothing. So I took it up, and I've been just working. I've been working extra hard the last few weeks to uh, to make sure that I can do this race and be good. Um, so that's kind of maybe the quicker story. Uh, I don't want to keep you here for a couple hours, but, you know, it's, it's come together for me to race these races, and, and I think that, for me, it couldn't come at a better time because I really do want to race. Excellent. So what has been your greatest challenge so far in, uh, in making this comeback? Um, I would say my biggest challenge coming back here has been um, – the motivation. When I was in Texas, I, I struggled to be motivated because I felt that I wasn't going to get an opportunity and I wasn't going to get the things that I needed to make it happen. And so, you know, for me, it was it was fighting through that and fighting through, you know, the, the real world of, of, you know, knowing it's in my rearview mirror and, and stress and, and all those things that really, you know, that kind of, you know, really worry you. And that, that really worried me because, you know, put in in 25, and I started racing when I was three, 
So to put in 22 years in the sport was very stressful and very hard for me to, you know, to make a decision. I just felt like I was in limbo the whole time, and I I just knew that if I gave up and I gave in, I was just gonna I was gonna become someone that regretted you know all these things, and so. I knew that I needed to make a decision, especially when I was in Texas. I needed to make a decision. I needed to find a way to prove that I wanted to come back and race. And, and uh, thankfully, I got the opportunity with uh, with the call from Genova saying that he needed me to go out and help with testing because I think that had that not, you know, set itself up, I don't think that I would be here racing this week, this upcoming weekend. Yeah. So my, my next question is: is what? What motivates you, Jeff? What makes you want to uh, come back and racing? Is it the fact that when you're given that opportunity, then you rise to the occasion? No, I think that I just I look at who I am and and what I've been doing for the last you know ten years, and I just I'm I know that I have a lot of knowledge of what worked and what didn't work, and you know I think that there's a lot of room to improve for me. I think. In my best years of racing, I was putting in, I think, less than 20 or 30% into my program because I was, you know, had a Playboy girlfriend and I had my own house and I had a lot of money in the bank and I um, I just wanted to have fun, you know. I, I had I had probably 15 years of, of amateur racing and, you know, maybe the first four years of my pro, pro career of being on lockdown, I had it, I had it starting to... I was, I was starting to lose that control, and I was starting to really want to have fun, and I was rebelling. I was rebelling against the program, and I was rebelling against myself. And and now, after a couple of years of you know figuring it out, I just I see that man. If I would have just you know done this, this, and this, and this right, and you know taken it for what it was, you know I could have I could have made my life a lot easier, and 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 done the things that I wanted to do in my career. And so for me, this opportunity comes at a time where I feel like I have a lot more knowledge in the bank, where I could put it to use, where I can come over here, I can train with my brother, I can ride the bike that I'm very comfortable on, and I can do the motos, and I can just put it all to use this time and not uh, not have all the distractions of California, of the, of the party life, of the of all the bad things that go on with all that, and I feel like I can just put myself to good use. Excellent. Well, you know what? That's great to hear, and uh, um, I, for one, am very excited to have the uh, the 801 back on the track. Uh, I, I noticed uh, that in some pictures that you're riding a, a yellow bike. Will yours uh, be uh, much like uh, your brother's and uh, go with the uh, the white scheme uh, in uh, in two weeks' time? I will be flying the team colors. Yes, I will. Perfect. I will not be using my yellow plastics at at the race. Um, those that's my personal bike that I'm riding. Um, okay. It was also the bike that got stolen in 2013 that kept me, you know, out of Supercross. Um, okay. But the bike's been rebuilt and it's really good. I think it's it's a little tired right now, but uh, mm-hmm. I think that when I come up there, I'll have a fresh bike and. And I think I'll I'll do good on it. Yeah, your bike's tired, Jeff. I'm running a 2005 KX252 stroke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you've done some kidding. some love to that engine a few times. 
Absolute. Noah, you've got one of the most world-class racers as a gauge for yourself on practice. Uh, where do you feel that you stack up uh, against uh, with, with Mike on practice days? And uh, as well as like knowing uh, some of the guys that are up here racing like uh, Canary, Chisholm, and what have you, uh, where do you feel like you're going to be able to stack up uh, once you uh, get up in, up here in Canada? Well, I can't be certain. It's... Uh... As everyone knows, you know, practice and racing is a lot is a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, practice in, in the past for me, and even right now, I'm I'm not bad. I I'm not five seconds a lap slower than my brother. I'm uh, I'm quite a bit closer than that. But uh, I feel like on race day, you know, my brother's going to take it to that next extra level, just as as much as I'm going to. Um, I think that looking at the results. I don't think that I should be any worse than worse than seventh, but uh, it depends on how I wake up that morning. Because on uh, on certain mornings in the past of my career, I've woken up and gone out to the national and and led races and pulled away from guys that were big names, and I've held second place till 28 minutes at Bud's Creek in a moto behind Chad Reed, and I know mm-hmm. that there's that extra special thing inside of me that. Um, that I can pull out when I need when I need it, and it's one of those times right now where I feel like I'm going to go to Canada and I don't have no pressure, I don't have no stress on me. I'm trying to prove to myself that I can be better than I've ever been in my past. And when I I feel like when I had that in my mind, I could just go out there and I could put it in the top three for the you know the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe even finish there. Um, but all the all the things are going to have to line up on race day morning, and I'm going to have to actually tell myself that I'm capable of doing it and and make it happen because I don't want to go up there and be seventh or eighth, uh, even though that's not an awful finish. Um, I think I have more I have more to prove, and I have a lot more inside of me that says I'm a lot better than that. Um, and I would honestly love to be second or third, second, first. I'd love to be first. Um, it's gonna be hard to race with my brother, and you know Colt's fast, and you got Canary, he's going really good, and then there's a handful of other guys like Chisholm, and and I know Mike Brown's up there now. So um, there's a lot of good guys, and and I gotta just um, put myself, I gotta put myself out there and really show these guys that I'm not slow. And you know, there's guys like Medaglia that that I've never got to race with, you know. Um, so it's going to be a whole new experience for me to actually, you know, I'm racing against a lot of guys I've never heard, uh, never raced against, and, and some guys that I've actually never heard of. So um, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that I come up there with a, a whole new level of confidence because um, I am not racing here in America, uh, so I feel like um, – I'm not going to have that in my mind where I know there's a, a whole long list of riders that I have to race against. These guys are, uh, you know, these are guys that, a couple of them that I raced against when I was an amateur, and there's a lot of guys that I've, I've never heard of, and sometimes it's it's easier to race against guys that you've never heard of because even though they're really fast, you have that confidence that that person hasn't beat you, you know, in the years past, and and that brings confidence to me to know that I'm going to be racing against guys that uh, that are not going to be, you know, crazy, 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 um, crazy fast. <laughs> there's a lot of guys, enough. Well, there, there are a lot of good guys up there, but uh, 
I'm just looking forward to going up there and racing and doing good. Fair enough. Well, you know what? It sounds like you're confident. sounds like you're prepared. And it sounds like the only person really putting a lot of pressure on yourself is is, is Jeff Alessi. And uh, from, I mean, coming from a racer standpoint, that's got to be a comforting thing uh, coming back to uh, the pro racing. So if, uh, if, if a Jeff Alessi happens to get an amazing start and uh, is leading in, uh, in Deschambeau, um, and, and, and your, your older brother, uh, big brother comes knocking, uh, on the last few laps. Do you think you're going to let him by? Uh, honestly, I think that I'm going to try my hardest out there, but I yeah. don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that I'm on that level yet to make it hard for my brother to pass. Fair enough. He's, uh, he's still got that, that extra speed. And I think that he can, he can get the job done even if I'm trying my hardest. Um, but nonetheless, I'm not going to let anybody pass me without putting up a fight for that position because at the end of the day, it's, uh, like I said, it's my legacy and letting people by is, is not, uh, is not in my future. Right on brother. So, um, have you set any uh, small goals for yourself? I know you you had said that you you look to be about the seventh place position. So, uh, would you say that a small goal is to uh, crack the top five? My goal is to go up to the first round that I'm racing and and finish thirty minutes and be mm-hmm. strong um, to be in the top seven. But uh, by the last race that I'm doing, I want to get um, a podium. I want to get a, a third in the moto, second in the moto, and I really want to try and strive for that fourth place. If if I'm if I'm, you know, not that fit and not that ready at that first race, and I find myself in the seventh and feeling like I have the speed for a couple laps to run with those top guys, my goal is to by that last round that I'm doing is to be able to race with the guys that I feel like I'm I'm as fast or faster than. Like I I know for sure that. There's a lot of guys that out there that can go fast for a whole 30 minutes. But I'll tell you right now, I'm not one of those guys that is uh, is lacking talent. I'm just lacking fitness. That's all. I think that a guy in fourth or a guy in third, I think I can I can go fa- as fast as them for five laps. I think I can go as fast as as my brother for a lap or two. Um, but you got to be able to do that for 30 minutes and and then get that two board that two board card and and finish out strong, and uh, that's my goal. Right on. Well, we uh, we wish you the best of luck with that, my friend. Uh, plans for 2015 at all, or is that are you looking too far ahead now? Uh, plans for 2015. Um, I don't know yet. I think that uh, you'll be surprised. I think that I think I'll have a ride. Excellent, my friend. Well, you know what, Jeff? We wish you the best of luck. We really wanted to have you on so that you could tell your story and so that uh, I think a lot of people are going to be really interested, uh, not only in your return, but hearing uh, the story of how you came back to uh, the professional ranks. And uh, like I said, uh, here at the Big MX Show, we wish you the best of luck, and we really appreciate you taking the time this evening. Thanks. All right, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.